Okay, we are going to turn to the Word today, everybody. And I have a really, really good message for you today. Brenda said to me last night, she nudged me and said, well, you got a good word tonight? And I said, I don't prepare bad words. <laughs> it's always a good word. <laughs> right before we turn to the word, though, I want to say hooray and God bless all our veterans. We want to honor you on this Memorial Day weekend. I want to thank you for your service. Men and women, I want to say you're awesome beyond words. We also want to totally say God bless us all, those of us that have loved ones, family or friends that have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And of course, that's what Memorial Day is all about tomorrow. So we want to say, may God comfort and strengthen and give you great memories as you consider and think about your loved one that you miss, is in glory, you'll see again, but that paid that big price for our freedoms. So God bless us. My friends, we're turning today in the Bible to Genesis chapter 50, and I want to look with you at the story of Joseph. I'm going to refer to it mostly. It covers several chapters in Genesis. But the title of my message is Why You Can Keep Calm and Carry On No Matter What Happens. Pandemic, no pandemic, personal challenge in, in your life, no personal challenge, big trial, small trial, whatever the case. God is inviting us to keep calm and carry on. Faith is such an important thing moving forward in our lives. And we always think and declare faith, 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 because it's the currency of heaven. And it is key to anticipating and expecting the favor of God in our lives and enjoying the good things of God in our personal now moment. Why you can keep calm and carry on? Answer, first talking point, because you personally are banishing out of your life a resentful personal theology. I've heard people say theology doesn't matter. In fact, Billy Graham tells a story of being on an elevator one time and someone, the only other person in the elevator said to him, I heard that Billy Graham's in this hotel. And, and, um, and Billy Graham said, well, what do you like about Billy Graham? And the guy says, I just love Billy Graham. He don't preach no doctrine nor nothing. <laughs> Billy Graham told, the, told us that story in a pastor's meeting one time. I, I have always remembered that. But everybody has a personal theology. Even if you don't think you have a personal theology, that itself is an expression of a personal theology. In the course of your life, your, your beliefs about God make a big difference to you. And in the course of your life journey... You will, as all of us do, have occasion to have situations not turn out like you expect or like you hope for. 
I remember the Apostle Paul making very conscientious plans to go into Bithynia in the book of Acts and said the Spirit of God wouldn't let him go once he tried to get in. So his plans were foiled by the Spirit of God in that moment. Later there was a revival in Bithynia. Then it says he tries to go into Asia. And there it says the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let him go in there. And in another occasion, Paul refers to that and says that Satan wouldn't let him go in. So even himself, he couldn't, maybe he couldn't figure out which one it was. He just knew he wanted to go into Asia, it didn't work. He ended up, of course, going into getting the vision of the man from Macedonia and going into Europe, and the gospel came to Europe. So God got something amazing, something good out of that situation. In every no, there's always a seed of yes when we're dealing with the things of God. So this cartoon, did we put that up yet? Why? The theological implications alone are staggering. like that. My daughter Sarah was not expecting to get COVID-19, and she got it. And she was only expecting it to last two weeks, which is the, typically what happens. And it, the symptoms, a lot of the symptoms lasted uh, longer than that, and she still is having some, tight, some pretty huge tightness in her chest and difficulty. I call her and pray with her, declare the word over her every night. Our time is 1 a.m., her time 9 a.m. in the morning. But she told me something the other day that really blessed me. She said, when I was hit by this, I found myself praying prayers, praying prayers but not looking God in the eye when I prayed. And she said, Dad, I've recently started looking God in the eye again, and it's beautiful. I'm not so proud of her. Banishing personal resentment. Not being like Job's wife and saying, curse God and die. Or not yelling and screaming the why, shaking our fist at God. Or not even in a subconscious way that's not articulated. Like we would have a breach with some family member or friend and not look them in the eye. That we would not find ourselves in a situation with God where we cannot look him in the eye. And the best way to do that is to banish all hints of resentment. And then one of the key ways of, of uh, handling what we would be attempted to, to resent God for is to realize um, that God works and God means and changes every single thing that we would say, think would be an annoyance or a big trial. He changes it supernaturally into something good. Would you agree with me that that's what happened to Joseph in the book of Genesis? Joseph was not anticipating his brothers rejecting him when he gave him a, told him about his God dream. God told me that you were all going to bow down to me. <laughs> they didn't like that. Joseph was not anticipating when he went and visited his brothers out in the desert, them throwing him into a pit. That hurt in lots of ways, several different levels. And he certainly wasn't anticipating his brother selling him as a slave into Egypt. Disappointment. 
He wasn't anticipating working for Potiphar and having Potiphar's wife accuse him of molesting her falsely, being thrown into jail for that. He was not anticipating giving an interpretation of the baker of Pharaoh's baker and butler's dreams and then having them totally forget after they promised to tell Pharaoh, we got to spring Joseph out of prison, man. Just forgot. In all these situations, we do not see Joseph at any level or in any way expressing any kind of personal resentment towards God. Why? Because Joseph knew that God means every single moment in the course of his life, good or bad, for the good. When Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to get food, and Joseph says, hey guys, remember me? There was a huge cringe factor with them. In fact, when dad Jacob went to heaven, the brothers pulled Joseph aside and said, listen, dad said to tell you, please forgive your brothers. (laughs) Joseph says something really cool in verse 19. He says to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. What does that mean? In every crisis, in every annoyance, small or huge, God adds his supernatural favor to that moment and turns it into something good. God does that. God increases his supernatural anointing at the very point where you feel the most annoyed in the course of your life. In fact, the name Joseph means add or increase. So there's a blessing even in the name Joseph in regard to that. But God meant it for good. You will remember Romans 8.28 echoes our theme today. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. God works all things together for good. For, and it goes on, to, it goes on in the context of Romans 8 to ask us to pull back and see the big picture. God works all things together for good to those that love him. For who he foreknew, he predestined. He foreknew you. He, millions and millions of years before you were conceived and born, God knew you personally. He was excited about creating you. He had your design and your life on his easel, and he began to paint it in his imagination. He knew the nuances of your personality and how many hairs he was going to make on your head and, and all the gifts that you would have in your personality to bless your family and friends and, and church and your city. God explored in his imagination all of the wonders of who you would be millions and billions and trillions of years before you were even born. He knew you, and who he knew, he predestined. He predestined you in Jesus to be blessed 
and the favor of God would be on you, and who he predestined, he called. He called you effectually. He didn't just say, hey, Brian, and hope that Brian would get saved. He said, hey, Brian, and in that word, there was a, there was a, a work of God in Brian's heart so that all through Brian's life, Brian can say, thank you, God, that you called me and you saved me. I give you 100% credit for saving me. I'm not taking any credit at all. I just want praise and thank you, God. And who he called, he righteousified. Someone told me last night, that's their favorite transcendent thing with God, that they are righteousified, that God not just doesn't just forgive us, he sees the righteousness of Christ when he looks on us. And who he righteousified, he glorified. So you see, he pulled back and he sees you from the perspective of you sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus forever, but he says that you're glorified in the past tense. Why? Because there's a time transcendent nature to the whole thing. We are forced to submit to sequential time day by day, but there is also in Christ this business of already being transcending that and seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that includes being foreknown all the way to being glorified. So you might as well enjoy the glory of God right now because you're going to have it forever. Well, I'm not sure I love God enough to really have that verse apply to me because someone told me it, it only applies to those that love God. I'm not sure I love him enough. Well, I want to assure you, my friends, Loving God is way, way too important for God to just trust you with it by yourself. The Bible says, the love of God is poured out, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Holy Spirit. You're born again. You're born from above. The Holy Spirit fills you. The Holy Spirit floods you. You experience the Holy Spirit. With that comes the fruit of the Spirit, love. For others, and for God. So relax and love God because you do love him and all things are working together for your good. I very, 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 very much enjoy my cup of coffee every morning. I like it a lot. I have a coffee mug that's my favorite mug. On it, it says, best dad ever. I'm glad someone thinks that's true. I'm reminded of that every day. But I noticed something about the ingredients that goes into my, what I delight in, my coffee. It's a wonderful, cumulative experience, but each of the item that goes into my coffee would be evil in and of themselves. Here they are. Would you chew on whole coffee beans? Would you eat a teaspoon or two of coffee after it's ground up? Evil, evil. I even think black coffee is evil. Maybe you don't, but I do, I do. And I certainly have tried drinking half and half when I was out of milk one time. I didn't like it, evil. But when I add these four ingredients to my wisdom, my I add or increase my wisdom to the experience. I produce the most amazing cup of coffee for me every single morning. Had one this morning. Look forward to it. Those coffee cups are awesome. With my 
theology I listen to and Bible verses I listen to, prayer time, it's a real special selfish moment for me. I love it. But each of the ingredients are evil, but together I work life to them. And this is an analogy, an illustration of how God works the crazy moments, the annoyances, even the stuff that's your own fault. Joseph made the mistake of telling his brothers about his God dream, saying they would bow down to him. And that, was, that precipitated his whole sequence of problems. It was his fault, but God still even worked that together for his good. God meant that for good, too. When I was 14, I was in a horrible motorcycle crash, broke two fingers, broke my wrist in two places. But something good came from that. I got saved when I was 16, two years later. And when I was 14, had the crash, I sold the wreckage of my motorcycle, went to basketball camp, and even during the time I had a cast on for six months before I went to basketball camp <laughs> that summer. But I would just play basketball all the time with my left hand. And I actually got really good playing basketball with one hand. I perfected a shot that enabled me as a Christian later on to play varsity basketball, which gave me inroads for the gospel with groups of people I wouldn't have had as an evangelist in high school that um, I wouldn't have had if I hadn't had uh, been able to play varsity basketball. And the only reason I played varsity basketball is because I did something stupid by running into another motorcycle head-on at night without my light on. I'm not going to tell you the rest of that story. <laughs> Jesus himself was insulted. He was flogged. He was punched. The crown of thorns pressed down on his head. He had nails in his hands, nails in his feet. Each of those moments were evil moments, but cumulatively they resulted in your salvation, going to sending into hell, as the creed says. These items in and of themselves, evil, but together, your salvation. Someone said this, and I'm going to say it twice because I love it so much. God is an expert at turning crucifixions into resurrections. God is an expert at turning crucifixions into resurrections. God turned Joseph's crosses into a wonderful resurrection experience for him. Personally, first 20 again, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order, why? In order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. To save many people alive. Evil moments. Evil spelled backwards is live. God turns evil moments into live, into life. to save many people alive. And then Joseph goes on to say, how free and liberated he was from resentment against God and others. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. He demonstrated his lack of resentment toward them by wanting to bless them, 
care for their little kids. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. One way of knowing if you're really, really free from resenting against an individual or against, or against God is, do, are your words kind? So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And I really love it that the story of Joseph really concludes with this symbol of this amazing blessing over Joseph's life that anticipates the wonder and the beauty of him enjoying relationships in heaven. And that is the blessing of grandchildren and great-grandchildren surrounding him and sitting on his lap and just family all around in his older, older years. The blessing of God, the goodness of God, God turning things for the good. Here's a great Elizabeth Elliot quote. It is always possible to be thankful for whatever is given rather than resentful over what is withheld. One attitude or the other becomes a way of life. What's your way of life? Which one is it? I trust that it's the way of thankfulness, banishing resentment out of your heart daily if necessary. Matthew Henry, he wrote that big fat commentary that many of us have seen. He was robbed one night on the street. He had this to say afterwards when he was interviewed about it. He said, it's true, I was injured but I am so praising God I wasn't killed. It's true, they took all of my money, but I am praising God I only had $20 in my wallet. And it's true, I was robbed and injured, but I praise God it wasn't me who robbed and injured. What a great attitude, what a great focus. I think of Jesus and his disciples after the Last Supper. I think of them as Jesus, as anticipating going to the Garden of Gethsemane and then the cross. It says they took time to sing a hymn. I submit to you that that wasn't a one-time shot, that that was part of their habit of life. That's what I believe it, it, it was. They, they sang together. And I believe that singing and praising God, like we did this morning, is a way of resetting our spirits to praise and thanks. And there's something dynamic. Christianity isn't just something that we experience in isolation. There's something about worshiping together. They is a key word there when it says they sang a hymn. The disciples and Jesus sang a hymn to the Father. He still it. We still are singing hymns to the Father, and Jesus is singing with us, and we sing, Jesus, we sing to Jesus and the Father singing with us. It is a dynamic experience that helps reset us in our lives with a focus on the goodness of God. And the goodness of God becomes bigger and resentment is banished when we keep a constant, joyous praise going on in our hearts. Why you can keep calm and carry on 
because you're banishing a resentful personal theology and you're fighting the good fight of faith every single day doing that. Second talking point, it's gonna be a bit shorter, because you are banishing all unhealthy fear. Now there is such a thing as a healthy fear. I'm not talking about paranoia. I'm talking about a healthy fear. I saw a couple of young boys, twins, 10 years old, riding bicycle down a hill, their bicycles down a hill, without their hands on the handlebars. They did it confidently, they did it happily, they felt safe, God bless them. I thought, I thought for a moment, amen. What's that? Yeah, okay. I thought for a moment, what if I rode my motorcycle without my hands on my handlebars? I saw a guy do that. I've seen it happen once in a while. I thought, you know what? I have a healthy fear about that. It's not unhealthy. It's a healthy fear. I'm not going to do it. I'm scared I'm going to dump it. Break my arm again. <laughs> not going to do that. Twice in this passage, Joseph tells his brothers, do not be afraid. Verse 19, do not be afraid. Verse 21, now therefore, do not be afraid. Like your mom when you were a little child, repeated what was important. Joseph's repeating what's important. God is repeating what's important. The most often, most of you know, it's the most often repeated command in the Bible. Do not be afraid. It's possible to not be afraid because God has told us we're to not be afraid and he gives us supernatural power to not be afraid moving forward in our lives. I think of, I think of uh, Jairus, the synagogue ruler, remember him? And he went to Jesus asking him to heal his daughter. The guy, some friends come up and say, hey, don't bother the teacher, your daughter, sorry to tell you, but your daughter died. And Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. You have one job in life, don't be afraid and believe. There's two parts to it, but that's the main thing in life. Do not be afraid and believe. Okay? Here's a good line. What if I told you in order for me to throw the ball, you must first let go of the ball? And that's a good illustration of the fact that we have got to let go of fear in order to believe. If we're holding on to fear, it's impossible to believe and to, and to, um, to keep calm, you know, and to carry on. It's impossible to keep calm and carry on if we're holding on to fear. If we're holding on to resentment or holding on to fear, we've got to let go of both those. In World War II, in England, there was encouragement posts, posters that were made. Winston Churchill was an awesome speaker, inspired people. But you know what else he did? He also decreed that there should be these posters that should be put up everywhere. One of them was this one, freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. And that's uh, a word that transcends time in a democracy, in a republic, for us today, right? 
always want to remember. Freedom is in, always in peril. We need to defend it with all of our might. Here's another one. Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. I like that one, don't you? Don't put the other one up yet, David, but just hold on just a moment. There was one more poster, and I'm going to conclude with this, that never got published during World War II because a war got over. But 60 years later, someone found it in the archives and published a few of them, and the thing just went viral, if you will. These posters were everywhere, and they continue to this day. I asked my daughter on the phone this morning, Sarah, living in England, is this poster still? I said, everywhere, Dad. People still say it all the time. And here it is, and that is the basis of my talk today. Because if we banish resentment towards God, out of here, I am a no resentment zone. I am always going to look God in the eye because I know all things work together for my good. God always means it for good, and I'm always banishing fear out of my heart. Unhealthy fear must go. I am a no fear zone, personally. It is then and only then, my friends, that in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, we can keep calm and carry on. Okay? That's it. Keep calm and carry on. We, thank you. We are going to take a few moments to have some words of, of words of knowledge team share, then we're going to pray. And these words could be for those of us that are in the congregation today, and they certainly apply to those of us that are home. So let's take a few moments to be before the presence of God, for God to confirm his word with signs following, and to recognize we have an, an atmosphere always of faith and expectation for the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, which include the healing power of Jesus being released. Here's those words of knowledge now. Hi, I have some words of knowledge from our Word of Knowledge team for you today. Um, Psalms 126 uh, says, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves before him. That's a promise from God for you today. Um, also, paying tithe, being faithful, staying faithful, and you'll know and you'll see that God provides. Uh, we have back pain, throat pain, and uh, another verse, a merry heart doth good like a medicine. Um, and also uh, bones, like a femur, something with bone or joint pain. Thank you and God bless. Be healed. Let's stand up in the congregation here today. And those of you that are watching from home, just be in the presence of God. If you're identifying with any of these words, put your hand on or near the place where the word identified. And if you have anything else you'd like prayer for that's not mentioned, put your hand on or near that place. If you're perfectly feeling perfectly good in your body right now, just put your hands on your heart or on your head and receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now. He comes down like a dove right now on us wherever we are. Come Holy Spirit. 
sorrow turned to joy. Here comes the joy in the Holy Spirit. An anointing of faith for tithing and the joy of seeing the blessing that comes from tithing. Fear is healed. Back pain, there it goes. Throat pain, there it goes. Femur, there goes the injury, there goes the pain, there goes the wound. Whatever else, right now, come Holy Spirit like a dove and dance over that injury in that situation and bring your might to bear upon it. We look to you for it. We receive it right now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you at home. Have a great day, great week. God bless us here today. Have a great day, great week. We love you.